Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. I am Aidan Muir and I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl and today we're going to be talking about diet breaks. When we were planning what we we're going to be talking about in this kind of batch of podcast recordings, I can't remember what we we're going to do it on, but we we're going to do it on like, I think we we're going to do it on diet breaks versus refeeds. Yes. And then I was like, we don't even have a podcast on diet breaks yet. Like we've kind <laughs> How of like, we missed this? we've touched on stuff, but we haven't like done it in detail. And there's a lot I want to say about it. And I hope you're the same. So like I wanted to go through it. So we will go through it today. Perfect. So let's start with what is a diet break? That's always a nice place to start. Um, So anyone that follows us on Instagram will know what a diet break is, but basically it's when you are in a calorie deficit and then during that calorie deficit, you decide you are going to take a break at maintenance calories or a surplus, but usually it's at maintenance calories. Um, And that's typically one to four weeks long. Um, So we can use diet breaks in a lot of different ways and we'll definitely go through how you can use them and the benefits of them. But it's it's basically what it sounds like is it's a break from your diet built into your overall plan. So the benefits we're going to be touching on, I'm just going to list them systematically and then we'll go through them in more detail. So reducing hunger and desire to eat, reversing metabolic adaptation, and I'll go through that in more detail providing a psychological break from dieting and it also allows you to spend some time sitting at maintenance calories um, which is really important because when you get to the end of a diet you need to go to maintenance calories so it gives you well if you want to maintain your body weight at the end of a diet you need to go to maintenance calories so it gives you a chance to practice that and also experience what that's like and there's heaps we can talk about with that as well there's so many angles to think about there are so many benefits to diet breaks i'm keen to like get into the nitty-gritty of it Yeah. So the first one, and this is the most clear cut one, is reversing hunger and desire to eat associated with dieting. Um, Even those two terms, hunger and desire to eat, they're kind of separate. Hunger is quite literally physical hunger. Desire to eat is a little bit separate. Like you can be full and, I don't know, Krispy Kreme donuts. I like Krispy Kreme donuts. And like you can be full and still want one. And like your desire to eat is like how much you want that one. Um, So oftentimes they do go hand in hand. And I think an underappreciated fact is that on average, hunger increases over the course of a diet. There is a study that is useful when talking about diet breaks um, from Jackson Pios. It came out last year. I think it's called the Ice Cap Trial. And it showed some, like, two pieces of really important data. And I have shared this in the podcast before as well. But, like, it showed hunger and desire to eat increasing over the course of a diet. So they had one group go into a calorie deficit for 12 weeks. The thing about studies is they can get people to be a bit more compliant with a calorie deficit because they're being studied. So they probably were in a calorie deficit pretty much every single day. Whereas a lot of people, when they say they're in a calorie deficit, they probably dip in and out. So they probably wouldn't experience this as much. But over the course of a 12-week diet, they rated their hunger and desire to eat. They were separate charts, but they ended up looking the same. They, they went from an under 20 out of 100 to an above 60 out of 100 by week 12. And like at the midpoint, there are about 40 out of 100. And you can probably pretty safely assume that it continues increasing a little bit after that as well. So that's useful information because it's like, well, damn, like if hunger... And like obviously people are individuals. Some people can do 12 weeks in a deficit and be fine and like not that yeah. hungry. Other people get it a lot sooner. But that stands out to me because it's like, well, one, we probably need to embrace some level of hunger if we're going to do a significant deficit for a long period of time or whatever, or 12 weeks or even shorter. But two, you probably can't just grit your teeth... <laughs> 
and push through. It probably, I mean, I know it gets to a point just personally that is like, it's quite uncomfortable. And yeah. then just taking a couple of weeks at maintenance calories to kind of readjust everything can make the rest of your, or the next block of dieting so much easier because it can become really intense. Like yeah. Hunger is not a comfortable feeling. Yeah, we have to have some level of hunger in a, in a diet usually, but we don't want a ton. Yeah, and I use extreme examples a lot, particularly when speaking with clients, but an extreme example I talk about before I talk about diet breaks in a second is um, there's a study called the Minnesota Starvation Experiment, and they put people who are guys who are kind of lean to start off already, and it's a pretty horrific study. I apologize for mentioning it, but like they put them in a 25% calorie deficit, so that's not massive, but to the point that they lost 25% of their body weight and because they were kind of lean to start off with, like they got quite skinny at the end of it. And all of their food was provided for them. It was like starvation camp style study. So questionable ethics, obviously, but fascinating outcomes from this perspective where they got obsessed with food. All they would think about was food. All they would talk about is food. They were dreaming about food. And obviously when they got out of the starvation type environment, they ate like crazy and all of them regained weight very quickly. But I talk about that study a lot because I, I view a lot of things on a spectrum and I view dieting on that spectrum where it's kind of like, when you first start a diet, you're nowhere near that. But if you just try and go indefinitely, you start approaching that. Yeah. And nobody is, outside of disordered eating, nobody wants to put themselves in that situation. You're probably going to eat before you get to that point. And that's what I say when I'm like, you can't just grit your teeth and like push through because at some stage you're probably going to eat before you get to that level, obviously. And the great thing about Jackson's study in support of diet breaks is he got a group to do 12 weeks of deficit, but having a diet break every fourth week. So it took 15 weeks total. So a diet break every fourth week at maintenance calories and their hunger barely increased over the course of the diet. They lost similar amounts of weight, if not slightly more from memory, but their hunger barely increased. And they only added three weeks onto the journey. That's a super interesting finding for me. That's like, this is a tool that you can use to manage that hunger more effectively. Yeah, so like hunger, if hunger is a huge barrier for you and it's the reason you keep failing so you keep trying to do an indefinite calorie deficit, this could really be helpful. Like this could be the one thing that helps you get from point A to point B comfortably. Yeah, 100%. There is also the aspect of potentially reversing metabolic adaptation when we're talking about diet breaks. So, I mean, during a dieting phase, when you're in a calorie deficit, there is going to be some form of metabolic adaptation. So your metabolism is going to reduce a little bit. Um, how significant that is probably is going to be based on the individual and, and how big of a deficit they're in, how long they've been doing it for. But it does happen to a certain degree. A diet break at maintenance calories. So in theory, if you're at maintenance calories and you're there for long enough, your metabolism will undergo metabolic adaptation but in the other way so it's going to come up um the only issue where we're talking about diet breaks and metabolic adaptation reversing is it reversing it is how long do we need to be in a diet break in order to have that effect probably more than one to two weeks we're probably looking at four plus weeks for a reversal of metabolic adaptation i guess in its full extent um, especially if you if your metabolism is de decreased by one to two hundred calories in a diet, it's probably going to take more than a week of a, a diet break to reverse that. Another factor to kind of think of in in that regard is that how much is that metabolic adaptation actually hindering yeah. your weight loss? And 
you know, how is it hindering your journey? Like if it is only 100 calories per day that your metabolism has dropped by, I don't know, does that really make a huge difference? It's probably more the desire to eat and the hunger that I see diet breaks really kind of shine through. Um, but we can't have this conversation without mentioning Mention. it. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. So in Jackson's study, like they didn't find any difference in metabolic adaptation. But my thoughts on that is metabolic adaptation, as you said, is probably a pretty small effect. And is three weeks out of a 15 week period like is that enough to like really yeah. see a big difference in something that was already kind of small to start off with um we definitely know that longer periods of time do reverse metabolic adaptation the question is just how long we, we've seen studies where people are at maintenance for one month and metabolic adaptation is pretty much non-existent so it's somewhere in that range so i'm super comfortable saying it helps but like i'm also not out there being like well doing my diet a short diet break is going to completely reverse this thing like it's, yeah 100 yeah you can't go out there saying that yeah what i can go out there saying though is that it provides a, <laughs> how is the segue such a good segue. yeah it provides a bit of a mental break from dieting that's a bit of a no-brainer like if you're in a deficit there's typically some level of restraint or restriction that comes alongside that um obviously less aggressive deficits you probably feel it less but Less aggressive deficits mean you're in the deficit for longer to achieve what you want. So even just the duration also plays a role in this kind of restraint and restriction and stuff like that. Having slightly higher calories at maintenance calories or whatever allows you to eat foods in larger amounts. It probably allows you to eat foods that you haven't been able to have in the amounts that you like them to have as well. Like it gives you a lot more options. There was the first major study I was aware of on diet breaks was called the Matador study. And they had a group that was in a calorie deficit for 16 weeks. And this was in obese people who were not lifters, whereas Jackson's one was done on athletes. Um, so they were in a calorie deficit for 16 weeks, or they were given a diet to be in a calorie deficit for 16 weeks. And the diet break group had two weeks on, two weeks off, two weeks on, two weeks off. So they took a total of 30 weeks to achieve this. Um, and the diet break group lost significantly more weight than the other group. But it was a real-world setting. And a criticism of that study that a lot of people had was that it's like, well, how do we know that this is due to metabolic adaptation? How do we sure. know that like this is providing physiological benefits? And either way... It still worked. It still helped. Again, like we, we always talk about outcomes. We yeah. care about outcomes and diet breaks had a better outcome. Yeah. Like the one of the criticisms was like, well, what if it's just because they're able to stick to their diet better because they knew they only had to do it for two week periods and then they'd get two weeks off. And like, well, that's still a benefit. Like that's where this mental break comes into play. And there's so many ways to use it. You don't have to do two weeks on two weeks off because like 30 weeks is a long time in that example. Yeah. But there is a mental break that comes alongside diet breaks. Yeah, the psychological break, I think, is is up there with the uh, limiting the desire to eat and things like that. I think they're the two biggest things that come from diet breaks um, and what I personally feel is really useful when working with clients. So the final part of this that we're going to talk about is allow it allows you to spend time at maintenance as a bit of a practice. So ideally at the end of a diet like you're not just going to diet for your entire life ideally there's going to be an end to it where you are going to want to maintain your weight at some point so what diet breaks allow is it gives you a snapshot of what does that look like so what does eating at maintenance actually look like what does it feel like and it allows you to practice that 
which I think is is very, very useful. So ideally also at the end of a diet, you'd have some kind of like structured maintenance phase to also allow for this. But the diet breaks are just a good little snapshot throughout your journey, throughout the process that, yeah, just allow you to practice. And that can be really beneficial, particularly for adults that have never really tried to maintain, like people that have just maybe yo-yo dieters. They're always kind of losing weight, dieting, and then bouncing back up. And they've just done that for years and years and years and have never just tried to actively maintain their weight. Yeah. And I've got so much to say on that topic. I could go for hours, but it's kind of like when you get to like a lot of people when they're dieting are in that mindset. And how do you get to the end of the diet? And like, because logically, if you're in a deficit, you're losing weight. If you achieve your goal and you stayed in the exact same amount of calories, you'd continue losing weight. So like you'd have to increase calories by definition. How do you increase calories and probably increase carbs without going too far? Yeah. Like, do you open the floodgates? Does allowing yourself to have a little bit more like lead to like, that's why it's like cool to practice this and have some structure and everything like that. Um, The other thing that I see is super relevant is most people who were at a higher body weight than they intentionally wanted to be, um, they often were not meeting their calories required to maintain their weight through quote-unquote healthy foods. Like obviously a a portion of that was coming from there, but like another portion was coming from call it junk food, call it whatever or whatever. And when you try to reach your calorie requirements through quote-unquote clean eating, there's a chance you fall short. (laughs) There's a chance you get full before you reach your calorie requirements. And... And even if not, like there's room for flexibility, there's room for unhealthy food or whatever you want to call it. And there's room for more carbs or whatever. Like there's so many people who spent their entire life avoiding or restricting carbohydrates to a certain degree in terms of like bread, rice, pasta, those kind of foods, even fruit to a certain degree. But they'll be having other like junk food or whatever. So it's like on the healthy side of things, they're trying to avoid it. And on the unhealthy side of things, they're accidentally eating it or whatever you want to call it. And when you switch to maintenance at the end, you, you're kind of faced with this dilemma of like, well, now I can have larger portions of rice for the first time or more potato or more whatever. And it's cool to like actually experience that and see what that looks like and trial and error and figure out what works for you. Because it is to a certain degree trial and error and finding out what you like and what you feel comfortable on and everything like that. And this gives the opportunity to play around with that while you're still dieting quote-unquote or working towards your overall goal totally and like the other last thing i know because i could go for ages as i said (laughs) the last thing i wanted to touch on is um we know that somewhere between 80 and 95 percent of people who lose a significant amount of weight regain weight Mm -hmm. somewhere in that range um the game we're probably playing if we're choosing to lose weight is how do we beat those odds yep how do we beat those odds and this is an opportunity to potentially improve those odds significantly by putting some emphasis on working out what maintenance is like, how does that feel and how can I improve there versus just focusing on the weight loss portion of it without any time spent trying to focus on the weight maintenance portion of it. So let's talk about how we actually use diet breaks in practice. Obviously, they're very useful. They have a ton of benefits. We love them. We use them with our clients. I use them with myself. Uh, but there's there's really no one answer to this, I find. Like, you can use diet breaks however you realistically want. I, in practice, tend to wait until a client is feeling ready for a diet break. So, say, 
Some people at six weeks into a deficit are going to go, my desire to eat is through the roof. I'm really hungry, uh, really struggling with this. Okay, let's take a diet break. Uh, whilst others can go 12 to 15 weeks, feel great. And it's only around that kind of, yeah, 12 to 15 week mark that they're like, yep, all of these things are happening for me. And then I'll do a diet break then. Mm. You, you could plan them in advance. So I do that with some clients who really struggle mentally staying in a calorie deficit because there's no real like soon end date to it. So maybe we go four weeks on, one week off or something like that. So you can either plan them in advance, you can do them as needed based on your appetite and desire to eat and like needing that psychological break. doesn't really matter how you yeah. use them. So many options, I agree. So my most common approach I use with people is eight weeks on, two weeks off. That's just because like it seems convenient for me to do that for a variety of reasons, even partly like honestly, just transparently in, inside my business model because I see people every two weeks. Mm -hmm. And my first few sessions I work with somebody, if they're looking to lose weight or whatever, I have a lot of stuff that I want to cover and I start covering those things in order before I start talking about diet breaks. And then by like that third or fourth session is when I'm like, oh, now would be time for us to like look at this. Um, that's one reason why I do it that way. But then like there's heaps of other approaches that I potentially take with people. If things are going great, I'm like, well, maybe let's let it run, as you kind of said. Um, sometimes I'll do it more frequently. Sometimes I'll do it less frequently. If I'm really pushing that like let's practice weight maintenance kind of thing, I, I like people to do it for like a month or so. Like yeah. I try to give them a longer time frame for that in a lot of cases. Um, some people struggle with diet breaks where they like they – go off track or whatever like they just like the floodgates do open or whatever like when they go to that and sometimes like spending a little bit more time takes a bit of the novelty away and things start to settle down to a certain degree and another one that i've been using a little bit more over the last year or so is in relation to the menstrual cycle with some people i do add more calories during one week of the month with a lot of other people i don't this is only a small percentage of people i work with but if I'm already going to be doing that because I think it helps them manage their appetite or whatever or because the people I work with have found that helpful or whatever, I might as well like link it in with a diet break and just yeah, be like, okay, well. every fourth week we do it here. Um, so it's another thing. That's not the sole reason why I do it, but that's like the protocol that was used in Jackson. So like it's yeah. like every fourth week is a diet break in that case. So it, it is another option. So there's heaps of options. I don't think it matters how you really use them or when you really use them because – Going back to that chart of like 12 weeks in the calorie deficit, people became three times hungrier. You probably want to consider using it or something like that. And it doesn't necessarily matter which way you do it. It's very individual. This has been episode 49 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Mm -hmm.